Curtis Steigers grew up listening to a wide variety of music and wanted to emulate B.B. King as much as he wanted to sing like Ella Fitzgerald. His CD, You Inspire Me, reflects these aspirations with his jazz approach to compositions from the Beatles and Billy Joel to Merle Haggard and Irving Berlin. Today we revisit my 2006 conversation with Curtis, where we discuss this CD and the fun he had with his early pop career, but how his present life as a jazz musician suits him even more. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Curtis how he focuses his myriad talents to put a project together. When I was a kid, I, I was interested in rock and roll, so I played rock and roll, but I was also interested in jazz. So on Tuesday nights, I went to Gene Harris's jam sessions down at, uh, you know, down at the Idenhaw Hotel on, in, on Main Street in Boise, Idaho. And then I got into folk music, so I decided to learn how to play the acoustic guitar and you know, try to be like Loudon Wainwright for a while. I'm, <laughs> I just, I mean, and it never occurred to me that I shouldn't, that because I was a jazz singer or I was a pop writer or something, that I should just do one or the other. So as far as making records, putting a project together, the hardest thing was really deciding who I was this time around. Um, and there was a big change for me at the beginning of well, at, at the end of the 90s when my, my pop music, because I'd made a few pop records, and it was sort of like no one was waiting up late nights for my next pop record. They weren't? And I don't think so. <laughs> my, my mom uh, actually still waits up uh, See, late. See, there's but, always, thank goodness for moms. Thank God for mom. <laughs> um, but that combined with the fact that I just, I didn't enjoy that process anymore. I didn't enjoy making records, sitting in a, in a studio making a record for three months anymore. I wanted, I wanted that immediate gratification of making, of playing live music, basically. Mm. And that's what jazz music does for me. Um, you know, it, it means you go into a room with three or four or five people for three days and you make music and it's done. It's done. You know, there's no overdubbing. There's no, you just put it on tape and, and, and put it out. And that, to me, that's just the most gratifying thing. Um, as far as putting all the things together, again, I've done it all my life. So taking a, a great pop song and turning it into a jazz tune, what that, all that really takes is, for me, a, first of all, a great collaborator. And Larry Goldings has been my collaborator as far as making jazz records for the last, uh, well, five or six years. So. He's a great jazz pianist and organist, and he and I, I mean, I'll bring him a list of songs and just say, how are we going to do this, you know? Mm. Spend a couple of weeks and just think about these songs. I'm doing the same, and so I'm coming up with uh, arrangement ideas. He's coming up with arrangement ideas. Then we get together for a day or two days or three days, and we just sort of work out how it's going to work. And he'll bring me things, he'll bring me versions of these things, and I'll say, um, no, this is what I thought. <laughs> And, and and vice versa, you know, sometimes the ideas that I come up with, you know, just obviously they're just not going to work. But mm. uh, for me, that's the that's the most fun is is transforming these tunes from this thing to that thing, whatever mm. that is, you know, and uh, um, whether it's one of my tunes, whether it's a, you know, a, a Merle Haggard tune or a, or, a, or a Charlie Parker tune. It's it's that it's that process that getting from here to there with Larry in the rehearsal studio and then you put it in a room you put this song in a room, this arrangement in a room with a, with a bunch of guys that have never heard it before, never heard, never thought about that tune that way before, and then, wow, then it really opens up. Mm. And that's a very different process, which I don't think most people who aren't in the business, they don't realize that that process is, it's up front, as you say. You're doing mm. that work all before you get in the studio so that when you're in the studio, it truly can be this 
creative burst sure. as opposed to the pop process where you're layering, layering, changing, changing, polishing, polishing for months and months and months. Months and months. It's really frustrating. I mean, I certainly... It was it was exciting to be a you know to be a momentary pop sensation you know and, <laughs> and and I did get to work with some of my heroes in that time too you know I mean there were some really great players and I feel like I made some some interesting music then but uh, there's just there's something so immediate about about making jazz mm. records and the cool thing is one of the cool things is that when I'm just listening to songs. And I hear a song that I think, oh, that would work great. And then I start singing a bass line that would work. It sort of blossoms. There's mm. there's a little blossom there. And then I get into the room with Larry, and he plays something that I hadn't thought of, and it blossoms bigger. And then when we take those arrangements that we're sure are done into a room with uh, Matt Wilson on drums and Ben Allison on bass and, and Dave Tronzo playing electric slide guitar, you know, with a jazz trio, which really takes it out in the left field, then it really blossoms again. So it's this sort of, it just keeps getting better and better. It's like, oh, but then there's this. <laughs> and then occasionally, in the jazz situation, occasionally I'll go in and record a song I've never sung before right then. You know, we did Bob Dylan's uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, um, just because Ben Allison and I, the bass player and composer, um, we were talking about Bob Dylan and how much we liked him, and we came, we just said, well, yeah, we really, we both love that song. Well, why don't we do it right now? You know, I mean, and that that was really exciting to come to to come up with with something just off the cuff and do it, and and it's on the record, and it's one of my favorite things on the record. Ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby, if you don't know by now. Ain't no use to sit and wonder why. It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows At the break of dawn Look out your window I'll be gone You're the reason I'm Traveling on Now don't think twice It's alright Ain't no use in turning on your light, babe The light I'll never know Ain't no use turning on your light, babe I'm on the dark side of the road I wish there was something you would do or say Try and make me change my mind and stay We never did too much talking anyway Don't think twice, it's alright, it's alright it's so interesting hearing you talk about this, and we're on radio so people can't see, but they can hear how animated you are talking about this process. I'm a Muppet. Yeah. No, you're, you're gesticulating wildly, you're very excited, and I've seen a lot of interviews on TV of pop musicians talking about the process, and it's entirely different. I've never thought about it till just this moment, but it's very intellectual. They'll say, well, then we lay down these tracks, uh -huh. and then we bring in this 
machine, and then we do this, and then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Isn't it true? It's a different thing. It is. I mean, and there are certainly, you know, there are great pop bands and, and rock bands. Obviously, I love rock and roll mm -hmm. and pop music from the, the stuff that I record. Um, it's, a, it's a much more drawn-out process, and you have to be... I'm just not that kind of a person. I'm not a, I'm not a person that just can sit there and say, well... Let's listen to that again, and let's fix this and that. I've, I've never been that way. I mean, I'm, it sort of makes my back feel bad or something. Oh, no, me, me too. Well, it's the, the antithesis of a jazz experience. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's, uh, I love I Feel Fine, and I have to tell Thanks. you, the biggest compliment I can say for my own ears listening to something is you made me completely forget about the original. I thought this was a whole different tune. I go, oh, my gosh, it's that tune. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah, that, that one... Uh, I, I was able to really transform it. I mean, originally, it's it's the feel is straight. I always loved that. Just the opening with the feedback. I mean, some really early feedback in rock and roll history. And about I think it was '64 when they they recorded this. And um, and I heard that on the radio. I hadn't heard it in you know a couple of years or something. And I was listening to oldies radio up in the mountains because that's the, one of two stations we can we can get NPR and we can get an oldies station up in the mountains <laughs> at our cabin. And and so I had it on it just. Wow, that's great. Boy, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. And it has the right shape. I mean, pop tunes often have choruses, big anthemic choruses, sort of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. That doesn't work usually work as well um, in a jazz setting. Jazz tunes often are verse, verse, bridge, verse, A-A-B-A. -A -A. Um, uh, you know, and those standards are that way, old, old school songs. This is a pop tune that happens to be A-A-B-A. -A -A. So that was the first thing that hit me. Wow, that could work form-wise. And what could you do with this? Could you swing it? And... I started do I started singing that line do do ba do 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 ba do and I thought well what if you just truncated it and turned it into a, a bass line do do ba do 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 ba do and that and that was born right there and I pretty much thought I, I had it all figured out and then we got, I got into the studio with Larry Goldings and he played these chords for the bridge I mean the bridge you, you hear it's it's so out it's so he totally reharmonized it and would make you forget the song I mean <laughs> the way Larry reharmonized it but uh, I had fun with that I was so glad that it worked because it could have gone a lot of these tunes will go the wrong way they'll go towards Bill Murray singing his lounge singer act, you know, Star Wars, you know, that thing. You, I really walk a fine line doing this kind of stuff between being cool and being corny, you know, there's mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it's tricky, and that's one of my biggest uh, challenges is trying not to, not to be, you know, hey, I feel fine, Jack, you know, yeah. I mean, Sinatra, who's one of my heroes, Frank Sinatra, who's one of my idols, I mean, really, one of the probably the greatest singer, the greatest storyteller ever, uh, at least in, in, in the last hundred years, the, the people that we know have recorded. He, in the 60s, was sort of forced to try to stay up with the kids. Instead of just doing what he did well, you know, he was forced to, you know, sing some... I, I mean, I saw a special recently where he did Up, Up, and Away as a duet with, uh, with Ella Fitzgerald. And you just felt for both of them because they were really just trying to, you know, okay, how do we get over? How do we get over instead of just swinging, you know? Um, so that, and that's where I, you know, I don't want to end up, you know, doing that sort of something in the way she moves. Jack. <laughs> Wow. I try not to say Jack. <laughs> Probably a good choice. Baby's good to me, you know. She's happy as can be, you know. She said so. I'm in love with her and I feel fine. 
tells me all the time, you know, and she says so. I'm in love with her, and I feel fine. I'm so glad she's my little girl. She's so glad she's telling all the world that her baby buys a thing. Buys a diamond ring, you know. Yes, he said so. She's in love with me, and I feel fine, fine, fine. Curtis Stigers from his CD "You Inspire Me." I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I talked with Curtis about recording pop tunes in a jazz style. So many people do fail at this sort of thing. <laughs> They really do. I mean, I know it's not something I would automatically go buy at the record store if someone said somebody's done all these covers of. Well, jazz people will, and I, I'm the first to be this way. Uh, first of all, if a pop singer or a former pop singer is singing jazz, you roll your eyes. I do. So I knew going into this, coming back to jazz after having some pop success, that people were going to say, "Oh, wait a minute, this this is just another, blah blah blah. This is just another、um, dilettante or something, just somebody playing at it." The other thing is, you know, yeah, when you see these songs, it's not it's not familiar, and you're thinking, "Oh, okay, so we did a Beatles tune. Oh, well, that's going to be corny, or that's going to be." You do. I mean, jazz is a very snobby thing where、mm -hmm. we we just are built to just not believe it until we hear it, and、uh, so yeah. I, I've got a lot to prove. I've got a lot to sort of. The hurdle I had to get over is pretty big. But back to the standard idea. I mean, that's what Miles Davis did. He took. That's what all jazz musicians have done, aside from writing their own tunes and doing blues and and and, and things like that. Jazz musicians have taken pop songs of their day or the previous day or the day before, you know, and transformed them into jazz. And what I'm doing isn't. Reinventing the wheel by any means. I'm doing exactly what Ella did and Sarah did and Joe Williams did. I'm singing pop songs, but I'm putting them in a jazz context.、Um, it's just there's this big wall that came up at the beginning of the rock and roll era, at the end of Tin Pan Alley, that is such a big wall. People don't go back and forth. They think it's just that's it. Why but, is that? Well, I think because because. Popular music became something else, so the jazz world decided, well, we're not pop anymore, but we have to circle our wagons and stay true. You know, there's this real,、um, there's this defensive posture that that jazz musicians take、um, that says this has to stay the same or it won't be jazz anymore. And I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it at times of being jazz snobs, of just saying this isn't jazz, this is.、Um, but if you don't have stuff, if stuff doesn't come out that is bad and not jazz, but trying to be jazz or saying that it's jazz, then the really good stuff that keeps keeps jazz alive. I'm not expressing this well enough, but if you don't have 
um, Kenny G, which is really pop music, good, bad, I don't know, but it's pop music, calling itself jazz, you're, you're not going to also have weather report, and you're not going to have, um, you're not going to have people trying to stretch things, you're not going to have Cassandra Wilson taking jazz singing to a whole different level, things have to fall flat, things have to be unsuccessful in order for other things to be successful. You have to keep stretching it, I think. Mm -hmm. I believe. There's nothing wrong with stretching. Um, you know, I mean, I think you're a stride piano player. When, you, when are we going to hear you do a Beatles tune? Is this You've true? actually Come inspired on. me. You know, it's very funny because <laughs> I had, it's really interesting, and we're going to have to talk about this because I had a, a producer who uh, wrote the Slim Shady with Eminem oh. talk to me about doing some hip-hop tunes, and I'm you know, racking my brain of how I can do this. And I didn't I didn't really think it could be done that well until I heard this, and I really, really like this. I, I think that it's uh, because it's honest and it's sincere and it's great music, and that's the difference. When people seem like they're forced in that direction, like yeah. we talk about, you know, poor Sinatra and Ella, sure. you were hurting for them because they didn't want to be there singing those no, tunes. No. They just said, here's this tune, sing it, sort of make it swing. You put a lot of thought into this. This isn't just grabbing these tunes and saying we're going to do it. As you said, yeah, you're, you're really, thinking what works. You have to be careful. You have to throw stuff out. And uh, Well, I, I'll be communicating with you for my list of stride, uh, stride. I've got lots of ideas. Adaptable tunes. I mean, you could really, I mean, there are people, I mean, Jamie Cullum is somebody mm -hmm. that, uh, although I'm, I'm not sure if he's a, I think he would probably say he's a pop singer mm -hmm. with a lot of jazz influences. Um, but, I mean, he's doing Radiohead tunes. Right. And, and, and so is Meldau. So, you know, I mean, people are, there are so many places you can look for this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, again, some of it's just going to be ridiculous. I think it's easier as an instrumentalist because you don't have, you don't have to deal with the, the story of the song. You can, mm -hmm. you can just deal strictly with the melody. I mean, you can even strip out, you can totally reharmonize it. You don't even have to think about what the chords were. As long as you sort of get close to the melody, you can go anywhere with a tune. With singing, it's a little trickier because, you know, I mean, Stairway to Heaven would sound really silly, you know. So, <laughs> and as we wind on down the road, I mean, those lyrics are Jack. just a little too. Yeah, Jack. Skies smiling at me, nothing but blue skies. Do I see blue birds singing a song? Nothing but blue birds all day long. Never saw the sun shining so bright, never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by When you're in love, my, how they fly Blue days, all of them gone Nothing but blue skies from now on Who was the first jazz singer that really made you want to sing jazz? Do you remember? Was there someone specific? I saw Ella um, when I was... Uh, when I was a junior in high school or sophomore in high school at the University of Idaho Jazz Festival in Moscow, Idaho, uh, which has become a massive festival. And it changed me. It was just amazing. <laughs> 
I think she was singing better than ever. She didn't have that the squeaky sort of girlish thing anymore. It was just so ooh and, and real and big and sexy. She was just amazing, and she scattered and she, she just did everything so well. At the same time, though, I was discovering a lot of people. I just I heard Mel Torme then. Um, very soon after, I heard Joe Williams. Joe Williams was a huge influence on me. I, I listened. I used to drive back and forth from my hometown to where I went to college because of a girl, of course. <laughs> it's always on the weekends because of a girl. And girls. <laughs> and, um, and I listened to uh, Joe Williams live at the, uh, or not live, but with the, uh, the Village Vanguard band, mm-hmm. the Thad Jones Mel Lewis uh, Orchestra. I listened to that album a thousand times and just learning how to sing like this, you know, how to sing like a man. <laughs> and he, uh, he just, he, he swung so hard and he was so into the lyric. He told the song so well, told the story so well. Um, soon after that, I got into Mark Murphy. And Mark Murphy is a huge influence on a lot of young jazz singers. Uh, a lot of people don't know him sort of out in the, in the public. He's sort of the jazz singer's jazz singer uh, because what he does is challenging. If you mm-hmm. listen to it, you, you don't quite know what it is. It's, he's so original and so different than anybody else. But then if you listen to me or you listen to Kurt Elling or you listen to a lot of singers, um, you can hear Mark Murphy in there. And, and he made a lot of great records. My favorite records of his were in the 70s, uh, Bop for Kerouac. And, and stolen moments and satisfaction guaranteed. He just he actually did a, also did a Nat King Cole tribute, which was amazing. Which leads me to I mean you know I can go on and on about I jazz singers that I love. <laughs> Is that what we're doing here? Yeah. Nat King Cole. Um, I discovered Nat King Cole because Mark Murphy did a Nat King Cole tribute mm. um, where he Mark actually made a record of duets instead of making a record that used the the trio version you know the trio form because Nat played piano bass and guitar no drums that was the Nat King Cole trio Mark decided to make a record that was vocal with acoustic bass vocal with piano vocal with guitar and every song was just a duet with one of those instruments and all Nat King Cole songs and from that I discovered Nat I mean I always thought oh well he was a pop singer that you know sang Unforgettable or sang uh, Mona Lisa but Nat King Cole was I think you know could have been the greatest jazz singer, the greatest jazz musician that ever lived. Incredible piano player. Um, I mean, Oscar Peterson wanted to play piano because of Nat King Cole. And ask, actually, Oscar Peterson made a record where he sang, and he sings... He sounds just like him. Exactly like Nat King Cole. It's crazy. Isn't that it's, strange? It's, the weird, it's almost too hard to listen to because mm-hmm. it's like, ooh, it's like Nat King Cole, but just not quite as good. And this is eerie, you know. But, oh, yeah. No, I heard that, and I thought, well, this is why he didn't pursue singing. Yeah. Because he sounded way too much. Like like, it was just weird. Which, which is how I learned how to sing jazz, by singing just like people, singing just like Nat King Cole, singing just like Sarah Vaughan, really? if you can imagine. Just stealing every single thing. Because that's mean, what instrumentalists do. Uh, we, we, yeah. we copy everybody's how uh, else? Yeah, how, th- there's no other way to do it. I yeah. mean, you really, that's what young musicians need to know, is it's okay to steal. It's okay to learn Every single, if you're a piano player, learn every single Bud Powell solo or every... Uh, if you, you know, can. If you can, yeah, really. <laughs> Do your best, you know, copy, right. learn it, write it down. And I did, I sang just like Joe Williams for three months and just like Mark Murphy for a year. Mark Murphy, when I met him, said, first of all, that was great. He just heard me sing, that was great. Secondly, throw away all my records. Because <laughs> I sounded just like him. And he was right. So I did. I had to stop oh, listening to him for a while. Clone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, there, you know, you can be that. 
for a while. Um, but then move on to Ella and then move on to Chet Baker and then move on to Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. Uh, and what do you hear when you when you listen to somebody? That's a, I'm glad you brought that up. Somebody like Chet Baker or Jimmy Rolls, somebody who who's certainly not gifted with a voice like Joe Williams or mm -hmm. something. But what as a singer, what do you hear when you hear them sing? Storytelling. That's the for me, that's the first thing. I mean, uh, certainly with some singers it's the scat solo uh, as well and, and the showing off and showing the, the chops but first even with the scat singers with Ella with John Hendricks um, uh, with Bobby McFerrin still they're storytellers even if I mean, in the case of Bobby McFerrin here's somebody that can tell a story without ever saying a word there's just something he gets across he gets his whole personality across in in one you know it's like how, how does he do it? I don't know, but the storytelling is is it for me. That's what I set out to do every time I I sing a song. Is what am I going to tell the people this time? And is it going to be dark? Is it going to be happy? Is it going to be funny? Is it going to be, you know, that's the first thing. And so with Chet, I had become probably too much of a jazz singer. I, or in my opinion, now looking back, listening to Ella and Sarah and Mark Murphy because they really they're such great singers that they sing so much. They so, sing so much information musically, technically at once, and I had become just this guy that sang ten syllables in one word, you know? <laughs> you, and I started to annoy Too myself. Much style. Yeah. And I heard Chet Baker, and at the same time started really getting into uh, Nat and rediscovering uh, Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. And mm, those people really brought they brought me back home to where I am now. I, I learned how to really blow, how to really sing way out and, and, and scat sing and, and sound like a jazz singer. And then I learned how to sing a song. Lock your dreams at night It could happen to you Don't count stars or you might stumble Someone drops a sigh and down you Keep an eye on spring Run when church bells ring It could happen to you All I did was wonder How your arms would be Chet Baker on It Could Happen to You. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Steinway & Sons. To learn more about our show, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest, Curtis Steigers, talked about some of his favorite singers. 
Blossom Deary is somebody else that just kills me. She's a wonderful storyteller. Not a huge instrument by any means, but one of the best jazz singers, I think, ever, because she just not only tells a great story, but she gets across this personality. This She makes the song her own and makes it so human. Dave Frischberg is somebody that I've covered. Yeah, he's a beautiful musician and, and, and not a great voice, but a great voice. What a great vo- I can't get enough of his stuff. When I hear him sing his songs, there's nothing better. He, he writes these beautiful, funny, incredibly sad songs. He plays piano and he sings like a croaking toad that that is a, a bird, you know. I mean, it, it, now, just, it comes it, across and, and it works so well for his particular tunes, too. Yes. Like Hoagie sang yes. very well for his tunes, which yes. were also quirky tunes. You're so right. Yeah, and it's, good... it's wild. It's wild. Well, they're always on pitch, though. That's a big thing for me as a musician. I'm, I'm always thinking, I hear these singers that people think of as more of singers, but I'd rather hear a Dave Frischberg, who's always right there. He's on, the, but sure. he just doesn't have this gorgeous he, He's not singing, whoa, yeah. he's singing. <laughs> but at least he's on pitch. As long as he's on pitch, you're right. And that's that's, that's one thing. thing. He can. Uh, some of my favorite pop singers aren't great singers, but they're great singers. I mean, Bob Dylan tells a story, man. He. I mean, you listen to every word, and he actually, I think, can sing better than he does. And a lot of them do. I mean, Elvis Costello. There's a guy that we found out when he did that Burt Bacharach record has a range that you know is unbeatable. But you know, here he's singing. Oh, I just don't know where to begin. It's like. What is that? But it's it's great because it's unique and he tells a story and you want to hear every single word he's singing. And that's again, that's for me if there's if they're singing the story first, that that's a great singer. I loved your blue skies. Speaking of taking something, telling a story that's different than what you might expect. Talk about that because I love that. Well, I went in to make this record, you inspire me thinking I was just going to do modern tunes. That was it. It was, that was, I was my challenge. I'm not going to do standards this time. And of course, when you're in there, you're with a bunch of great jazz musicians and you, we did some standards and, <laughs> and one of them was actually, well, every time I get together with Larry, I try to do a, a, a piano vocal. I try, we just, I try to do a duet with him because one of my favorite records, I think could be my favorite record ever is Tony Bennett with Bill Evans, the, the, the Tony Bennett, Bill Evans record. It's just, it's so incredible, just piano, vocal, and they just sort of, they accompany each other through the whole thing. And so Larry is an amazing piano player and an amazing accompanist, and we always just, no matter what, we'll, we'll record something, even if it doesn't make the record. And Blue Skies had been on my mind, I don't know, somebody had mentioned it, and i had always thought of it as just kind of a trifle, you know, just something, you know, Blue Sky, smiling at me. But if you really pick it apart, it sounds so heartbreaking you know i mean it's not a happy tune first of all it's a minor key so that right there i I don't know i just it just struck me why don't we take this completely somewhere else and that's that's something that i often do with songs you know take it somewhere else it's not a happy you know it's a love song it's a it's a dark song just the word blue it just it takes you somewhere and so we we did probably i think it has to be the the at least one of the the darkest uh, versions of blue sky ever <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what irving would have uh, irving berlin would have th- said about it huh? well that's not what i th- that's not what i was thinking <laughs> but uh, but that's you know once once a song is written once it's out there uh, you know it's ours it's ours for the taking and you know we're i'm going to take it somewhere new because i'm somebody different than another singer i'm somebody different than irving berlin i'm i have a, a different point of view and i do i, I usually tend towards the darker side of things because 
it works so well on an audience and on me. You know, I mean, sometimes I sing songs by Dave Frischberg or, or uh, um, by Randy Newman that'll just they break my heart. They kill mm. me while I'm singing them. And that, if a song makes me cry while I'm singing it, I'm not bawl, but just, you know, right. get the catch in your throat, then it must have worked, you know, because the audience can tell that. They can oh, feel yeah. that. And they feel it as well, usually. Never saw the sun shining so bright Never saw things going so right Noticing the days are by When you're in love, my, how they fly by Blue days, all of them Gone, nothing but blue skies from now on. Never saw the sun shining so bright Never saw things going so right Noticing the days hurrying by When you're in love, my, how they fly by Blue days, all of them gone Nothing but blue skies Blue performance how do you get yourself when you're singing the same tunes to keep listening 
yourself each night if you're playing the tune a similar way is because you have to have arrangements yeah how do you keep yeah. that fresh and telling that story so that you are connected so you do get that catch in your throat I, I guess I trick myself into thinking it's the first time I've heard the tune um, I guess and also knowing the story so well after having sung it 50 times a hundred times a thousand times um, I can take myself to a place. I can. There's always a line or something that will just make it click in. Now, now, I mean, I have to admit, some nights I can't find a new way, and I'm pretty good at faking it. Mm-hmm. No, because <laughs> that's know. what our gig is. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. We, you know, we we're creative and we're we're entertainers and we're we're performers and and we're actors. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and so I can act it. But I guess what happens is, there I am, I'm, I'm telling that story again for the 50th time, but somehow it's not me that makes it fresh, it's the song, it's that line, it's that word, it's that, it's the piano lick that my piano player, Matthew Fries will play, that'll just, oh yeah, wow. And I won't think about that, I won't think, oh, that made me sad, I'll just, it'll hit me, or mm-hmm. I'll think about, you know, my wife or my daughter or... Mm-hmm. A heartbreak, or I'll think about somebody else's heartbreak that doesn't even exist. You know, I mean, I there are ways. I mean, I'm sure actors do this, and they have a, a method. You know, I mean, the method. I <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I haven't ever sort of thought it through. I just, you know, I am able to conjure those emotions usually and find a way. Now and then, it's just you know, singing the song, getting through it, getting to the next one. But there's always a unless there's someone yelling, talking uh, during my set, or you know glasses clinking or waiters dropping platters or something or cell phones going off there's always at least a song in the set that takes me to that place that takes me to the place where I forget who I am I forget where we started what songs we've done and that moment is is the most important moment of of life Mm, that's always my goal to have that happen at least once and I figure if it happens once a night you're lucky. You've made it happen because it's very hard with all those distractions, as you're saying. It certainly is. And yeah. people talk about that, and uh, they they think we don't hear, but we hear more. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I often say, you know, when there's a little bit too much in the audience, I say, just keep in mind that unlike television, we can hear you too. <laughs> <laughs> that usually works. Exactly. Exactly. Have you ever had an emotional moment where you've gone to this place? that you feel yourself going too much, that you go, "Uh uh-oh, better pull Pull back back. a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's usually the the case of our tears actually going to stream down my face. And I'm going to look like an an insane person (laughs) out there. Okay, he went from being really an an amazing performer to being a crazy man. And so, yeah, there there are those points. Uh, Um, And what what works for me usually is just opening my eyes and looking at somebody in the audience. Because I usually don't, I can't look at people. And so if I just look at somebody and they're like, they've got a a, a piece of chicken in their mouth, chewing their their Caesar salad, I can usually say, okay, I'm back. Uh, On this next tune, while we're reminiscing here, I would like for you to pay attention to the lyrics not so much to my singing or the band. Of course, I think they're wailing out there, though. How about a big hand for them? Give them a big hand. A little swing. Gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, but now we're going way down in the alley. Way down in the alley. I like to play a little bit. B.B. King. You're a B.B. King fan. Talk oh, about yeah. that. Well, just out of high school, the summer after my, my senior year of high school, 
I was hired by a band called the Chicken Cordon Blues Band, which which played at the the Bouquet Bar and Grill on the, on Main Street in Boise, Idaho. The, boy, the Bouquet. <laughs> It was affectionately uh, nicknamed the Bucket, which which it kind of was. At the, time. the early years. Yeah. And and I played all of these blues tunes, you know, straight ahead blues tunes from different places. I found out later they all sounded like they were. Oh, this is blues. It mu- you know it all came from the same place, and it almost was like it was the same artist because I never heard the original tunes. I went in and I played saxophone in a band with other people who were singing. I wasn't singing yet, really up front, and uh, I played. This one guy, Al Kane, used to play. He was a, a white guy who did this sort of country blues, country gentleman blues sort of a thing. But he would play um, How Blue Can You Get by B.B. King. And I didn't even know it was by B.B. King until years later when I heard it on Live at the Regal, which is sort of the blues Bible. If you want to learn how to play blues, um, you know, sort of in that style, go to B.B. King Live at the Regal. Baby, how blue can you get? Evil when I'm with you And you are jealous when we're apart song. I've been downhearted, baby, ever since the day we met. B.B. sang it a little bit louder. but um, and <laughs> This it, is public radio. Yeah, we have to take it easy. It was, it was so huge for me hearing that song and then hearing it 10 years later on Live at the Regal. And I realized how important that that was to me, how important B.B. was to me. I don't know, there's something about the way he tells the story and about the way he enunciates that really is a big part of my jazz singing. I mean, mo- most people would think, oh, it's probably Joe Williams or it's this or it's that. But a lot of my delivery, a lot of my enunciation and the way I say words and the way I phrase is B.B. King, um, mm-hmm. strangely. you know. Um, also, he never sings when he plays guitar. He always sings a line and then plays a lick. Sings a line, plays a lick. And I have to do that because right. I'm a saxophone player. So I really, I've been very influenced by blues and rhythm and blues, especially as a horn player. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I was, now I realize I was trying to emulate B.B. King and Albert King guitar parts and Jimmy Page, 
from you know from Led Zeppelin, which I listened to a lot. And he was clearly a blues-based guitar player. And a little bit later, Clapton. I sort of started really listening to Clapton. So as a saxophone player, I I'm more of a blues player. I I, I don't play bebop. I mean, when 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 the tempo kicks in and, and it's and it's you know a, a Parker tune or something, I put the sax down and I scat <laughs> sing. You know? And I, I mean you know, or when Joe Lovano's in the room or Michael Brecker or anybody, frankly, who has a horn, I put the horn down and I sing. <laughs> It's fascinating as you're talking about this because one of the things that has always interested me in the creative process is how an artist takes their inspiration, how they interpret that inspiration to use it for their own creativity. Because as you're saying, maybe people wouldn't immediately think, oh, B.B. King has influenced you. But you heard something different maybe in B.B. King than other people are hearing, yeah. which then inspired you to do it. So it's a fascinating process that... There's a lot that goes into... Yeah. to, to I mean, you know, uh, just take Elvis Costello, you know, he's somebody that people think of as a, as a rock artist or a new wave or post-punk or whatever he does, a singer-songwriter, but... I'm sure there's Sinatra in there. I'm sure there's jazz and big band. and You know, everything that a musician listens to goes into it, at least everything that a musician likes. And even stuff that a musician doesn't like, I mean, that points him in another direction. Okay, I'm not going there. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. So, you know, everything that I've heard, and especially the stuff that I've loved and listened to over and over again or played over and over again, it's going to go into it. I mean... Aside from those people that I said sort of made me a better jazz singer, Nat King Cole and, and Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and Chet Baker, the simple singer, song singers, the storytellers, in that world, um, th- there are also the pop singers that made me sing. I mean, Randy Newman was really influential on me as, as far as how to, how to tell a story and sing a song. And, and he's another one with kind of a funny voice. Yes, but a, an incredible but a singer. Voice. Oh my God! Yeah, just you know, and and probably like Dave Frischberg, an acquired taste. You know, there are some people that probably don't don't like the way Randy sings, but I just when I hear his voice, I'm there. Kick it down the street 
That's the way to treat a friend. Bright before me, the signs implore me. Help the needy and show them the way. Human kindness is overflowing. And I think it's going to rain today. Randy Newman on I Think It's Going to Rain Today. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked my guest, Curtis Stigers, what project he'd like to work on next. That's the hardest thing, obviously, mm-hmm. is what, what do you do? I mean, I, I recorded 10 modern standards, in quotes, and, and a couple of old standards for this new album. I had a list of over 100 tunes that so many of them would have worked and would have been great, but I had to edit it down, and, and those ones seemed seemed to fit together. So I have another record mm-hmm. ready to go, um, not recorded, but you know, ready to go into the studio with a, a list of songs that would be perfect. And I almost did it actually a couple I was I've been in New York for a few weeks and and I almost decided I mean I had the musicians on hold and everything we were going to go in and make this record and then I thought but I'm a songwriter. I write songs and I should this record, You Inspire Me, is the first record I've ever recorded that didn't have some of my songs on it, either all my own songs or at least a few of my own songs. And I decided, yeah, i gotta, I got to put that back into this. I've got to have at least some of my songs on the record. So I stepped back. I, I decided, you know, there's, there's no reason to hurry into this. Write some songs. So I'm writing. That's the main thing. I'm trying to figure out how I write songs for this kind of record mm. a- again. I've done it before. You know, I've, on my first two jazz records, I wrote songs for it. But I'm trying to figure out a new way to do it. And so that's, that's where I am now. I also, you know... There are a million records I could make. I could make a record with strings. I, you know, I could do a tribute record. No, not. No, that, that's the one thing that <laughs> you won't hear me doing is like a tribute to somebody. That mm-hmm. drives me crazy. If, if I hear one more, you know, Ella Fitzgerald tribute record, I'm going to scream. I mean, do songs that Ella did, but also on the same record, please do songs right, that Sarah right. did and songs that you did and songs that nobody did. I, I just, I'm afraid of making jazz a museum piece. Oh, and, yeah. And that's what the the record companies and the press really want to do is to make it something you can just put in a box and put it over there or hang it on the wall and say, that's what jazz was. Isn't it cool? And that's what everybody's doing over and over and over and over again. And I don't want that to happen. And every time there's a tribute record, every time there's a Ken Burns special, every time, you know, it becomes, okay, that music was, but it isn't anymore. So I'm of the mind that if it becomes a museum piece, it's dead. So something new, something new, something new. So I'm it looking for something It has to be a relief new. as I'm listening to you to be thinking of this purely in the creative aspect as you're talking about it, not have a huge record company oh. that's dictating this is what we're going to do, what we'll sell, all those other things where everything that you're thinking about is how many you're going to sell. I mean, and I say that especially today where it seems more than ever it's about numbers, oh, sure. it's about image, it's about how sexy is the outfit, all those things. I mean, it's lovely to hear you talk about this and know that you're this enthusiastic and would you be this enthusiastic if it were 
another situation. Yes, it'd be nice to make all that money. We'd all like to make some we money. We love money. Yeah. But, but, well, I mean, you, and you're talking to somebody that's seen that. Side that's what it. I mean. That's I mean, why I'm I, saying you can speak to that. I've been and, there. Yeah. And, and, and it was great. I mean, it was really fun to be on, on uh, The Tonight Show and, and David Letterman. It was really fun to open for Eric Clapton and Elton John. It was, it was amazing to ride on a tour bus at age 24 and, and travel around the world. And I remember driving into Rome on a tour bus. You know, it's like, this is cool. But I always had this guy in a suit looking over my shoulder saying, okay, that's not a hit. That's not good. And I always, when I put an album out, I, I, I was always judged by whether my record, my, my single sold, whether people bought my single or not, not whether the record was good. If my single wasn't a hit, if they didn't play it on the radio, I made a bad record. And I knew the record was good. I knew that the, the music was good, but I was told that if it wasn't successful, and we are always told, if a record doesn't sell, it's not good. If, you know, if Madonna has a hit record, it was an incredible record. I don't know. Right. I don't know. You know, maybe she makes good records sometimes. Maybe she makes bad records sometimes. But if it's a success, it's good. And right. that's the problem. That's and no the, one knows what's good anymore. No one has I mean, any even, idea. even the people out there, they get confused because I had someone say that, someone who came to a club, and he was in his early 20s, and he heard me doing something, and he said... Well, well you're, I won't name the name, but he said he said someone famous who was trying to do a stride thing because everybody's trying to do these standards things. He goes, sure. you're just like so-and-so, except you're good. <laughs> and he could hear the difference. Yeah. And it was an epiphany for him. But it was less of a compliment to me than that the fact that this kid had the ears and he'd had this thing marketed to him and he knew this other person was in this, you know, ta-da. Yeah. And he was... Wow, is that what they're trying to do? Right. So they don't get that opportunity if, to if hear it. If people are given good music, if they're allowed to hear it, they like it. And I'm not saying that only jazz is good. Obviously, this is not where I'm coming from. I love rock and roll. No, but I love good, music good music is good music. And, and so often people are just given garbage mm. and, and, and told that it's good because it's really packaged well. I mean, mm. so many of our pop stars today aren't able to actually sing they aren't able to actually perform there it's 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 a it's a, it's more about the dancers behind them and the choreographer and their music director and the person who programmed the the the, the synthesizers that are going to play that are uh, the computers are playing the, uh, not about what's great i mean there are fantastic musicians out there that nobody knows about there's patty griffin and steve earl and and uh, um, luckily People sneak through. Great artists sneak through. Radiohead somehow, the craziest, weirdest band in the world, snuck through. And they're, I mean, they're one of my favorite groups. And um, there are great musicians out there doing it. Um, some break and some don't. But but it, it is it is a shame that it's about the outfit, that it's about the hair, that mm. it's about the the uh, the hype, the hype, the hype, the hype. You know? Well, it's a compliment to you, or it speaks to your character. That you were able to enjoy that and survive the cross to doing what you're to realizing what you really wanted to do and enjoying that because a lot of people don't, as you know, they go, they do that pop thing or they do the spectacular whatever. I'm the big rock star and they don't ever recover. Yeah, well, you can you. I mean, I'm just lucky in that I have the interest to do the other things. You know, there's some people that just do one thing and and they do it well or they don't do it well. And then when 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 they're when they're 
when it's done, when when that when that that lake has dried up, then where do they go? I mean, they they do something else, I guess. I. Um, but I mean, having it in perspective, I think that's, oh, I that's what I mean. The fact that you could go off. And you do have something else you want to do, something you love. You love jazz in the beginning. You loved all these different things. You're interested in the creative aspect of it. But that you can go out and say, life is valid doing this Mm -hmm. and living in Idaho and doing what I want and having a life. And just because I'm not on the tour bus or not on David Letterman every week, that doesn't mean that this isn't good. You, You seem to have a great grasp of what's important to you, and well, a lot of people lose that. It's because <clears throat> throughout all of the, the, the record company battles and trying to have hit singles, I always had in the front of my mind that I love music. Mm. That I, I, mean, I, I remember telling Clive Davis, the president of Arista Records, who didn't get me, just didn't understand. We had some success together, and then we, then we just Then you didn't. Clashed. <laughs> and <clears throat> I remember saying, I just want to play music. <laughs> And he, he got this, this confused look on his face. It was like, what, 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 I don't know what you mean. He literally said, I don't understand what you mean. I said, I want to play music. I don't want to sit at home anymore. I want to play music. And he just, that's what I want to do. I want to play music. And playing, being a jazz musician affords me the opportunity to do that. I make a living now on the road playing music for people that want to hear me sing, want to hear me tell stories. And uh, that's... That's everything to me. If I, you know, if I can make a living, great. Um, if I can't, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way to make a living. You know, I mean, there's, I'd be doing this if I didn't get paid. You know, I, this mm-hmm. is this is this is who I am, and this is what I love to do. And I have figured out a way, yes, to to put it all into perspective and 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 not feel bad about not being a pop sensation mm-hmm. anymore. It's it's the it's the most freeing thing that's happened to me in, I would in my think life so. to just let that go and say that's not important it's okay and it was cool and it was a riot you know so much fun to 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 go through all of that but do do i need it no i I don't need it i need my music and i need uh, my family and uh and i need to ski (laughs) (laughs) that's so wonderful it's very inspiring and i'm really glad you came to talk to us today this is great thank you so much thank you You've been listening to singer Curtis Steigers. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Kevin Abood. The closing theme music is from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Thanks to Steve Robinson and Carol Phillips. Find out more about our program on our website, jazzinspired.com. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Steinway & Sons and distributed by the WFMT Radio Network. ¶¶